for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. You're on top of a mountain glass and elk, when all of a sudden, strangers start shooting at you and your vehicle below. Or you hike back to your truck exhausted, only to find it broken into and all of your gear gone or how about this after hiking to get your atv at camp you drive back to retrieve your downed elk only to find out that it's gone nothing left but footprints and tire marks what would you do how would you deal with something like this can you prepare for crazy things like that what would you do next well y'all Make sure your hat's on tight for this one. It's going to be some real stories and discussions you won't want to miss. That along with our Elk Bros shoutouts and questions from our Elk Bros mailbox. So my friends, pull up a chair and adjust your volumes just right. And welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkBros.com with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and elk hunting coach, Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk, and they live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the show. If it's your first time with us, Glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And for those blue-collar hunters out there following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show, coming to you live from Spring, Texas, and joining me from New Mexico, your elk hunting coach, Joe Gillia. Good to be back, Joe. Yeah. Gilbert, man, I'm so glad to see your face, man. Uh, <laughs> you know... I'm glad we're getting this done. Um, I, I'm glad we're together. I'm glad we're doing that. Um, 
we still have, we're still less one brother. We're working on that. Um, but I, I tell you, it was, it was pretty strange to, <laughs> uh, doing this by myself, you know, uh, no doubt. My, my wife says that I'm pretty good at talking to myself, but, uh, <laughs> I, it's so funny. It uh, seems like ages since we've uh, done this together. So we're back here on the podcast together. Um, and, uh, as an update, uh, for those people that, uh, wanting to know what's going on with Chav, um, he is out of the hospital. We had a, a scare um, when uh, he got an infection a couple of days after chemo. And if you don't know, your uh, immune system is knocked down. And uh, so his was knocked down. He got an infection and it went to an emergency situation and got sent back to the hospital, man. And uh, it, it was a little spooky at that time, but he got it all pulled together. Um, they got him leveled out he's back in rehab and uh so right now it's all about uh, the guy's lost so much weight um and he's you know if you don't know he's he lost uh use of his lower body in it from his waist down but he got uh, signals going again he's got muscles working uh now they've got him in rehab so goal number one is to is to learn to walk again and yeah, unbelievable. Two, three months ago, he was putting in seven miles a day with us. It's crazy, yeah. Joe. Yeah, it it really is. I mean, uh, and, and you know, I was I was reading somebody said today, you know, um, uh, you know, kiss a little deeper, smile a little mm. longer, you know, uh, and enjoy life because you just don't know. And uh, you know, Chab and I have a motto. We always tell each other YOLO. You know, uh, you only live once and for sure, you know, you really need to take it all in. And, you know, I, I just, man, so many thanks to Gilbert. Um, you know, you guys are, uh, you and Luis and Manano, uh, have just been incredible checking on him and, and, uh, you know, uh, Luis sent us a special package that we're going to talk about sometime. And, uh, um, and get this, I mean, the, the, our listeners, guys, y'all are just, <laughs> I'm so humbled, man. I, I really don't know what to say. Uh, no doubt. You know, yeah. I, the out, outpour of all the prayers and well wishes has been overwhelming at best. Yeah. I mean, we, we even had the other day, he received a package from, um, Brian Zakovic out of, uh, Colorado. He sent him a beat the treatment package uh it was so cool man just you know the only way we it's it's amazing in this hunting community you know the only way we know brian is through social media from somebody that's listened to our show and and has sure. said stuff into us and you know he sent that package to chav and it's all this stuff that's designed for people that are that are going through chemotherapy and i mean, it was just way cool you know that type of thing. And I mean, we get texts from guys at the top of mountains and different places and it's just a pretty doggone neat Gilbert. Um, uh, I really, I think sometimes, uh, it, it just, it touches me so deep inside. And you know, a lot of these listeners when, uh, they send stuff in and, and they're sending letters directly to Chav, emailing him. And for you guys that don't know that you can do that, all you got to do is send it to chav at elkbros.com. That's C-H-A-V at elkbros, 
elkbros.com and uh, he's been trying to answer them on his on his ipad and stuff and um you know uh, it it just brings a smile to his face and sometimes we just shake our head and say you know it's so cool how people reach out how they um take the time during their you know during their days Gilbert because just like you man I mean shoot you were in the hospital the other day with your dad um and uh have an open heart surgery Luis was there immediately to support you and uh I mean that's a story I mean uh, all of us are going through things in our lives and there's so many there's thousands of stories out there and when I walk on that oncology floor you got the children's oncology you got the yes, adult oncology and and you know you see other families that are going through what you're going through and all you can do is go up on you know ground by the arm and say god bless you know and uh yeah uh and and you know it's funny we do our prayers i do my prayers for chav and as soon as i get done praying for him i pray for all those other people that are going through the same things and 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 in the world you know? Yeah, this cancer deal sucks, man. Yes, sir. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff out there called FU cancer. You know, I mean, it's serious <laughs> business. I mean, yeah. ain't nobody right. want to, ain't nobody want this disease to prosper. You know, right? Uh, you know, like you said, we went through a little scare day before yesterday with my stepdad and Matt Montgomery. Um, you know, they do our, our immediate uh, emergency open heart surgery on him. He came through it like a champ. He's one of the toughest men I've ever met. You know, that stuff has spilled over into my life to how to be tough and resilient. He's an ex-oil field hand, still is. You know, he's got his own business. And, um, you know, the, the guy's just a tough old bird. And um, after one, not even a full 24 hours of having his chest cracked open in a quadruple bypass, the guy is walking down the hall. <laughs> I mean, I got a video of it. It'll make you, you know, make you weep. That's the kind of toughness that guys, you know, that guys like that have. And, you know, that our community, our hunting brothers, man, they've all poured out. I can't tell you how many emails I've gotten. You know, uh, we did do a little bit of social media, not a whole lot at his wishes, uh, but Luis showed up. And, you know, the Venezuelan mafia has been in touch with me. So, yeah. Uh, you know, they've all touched my heart, you know, just like they have with Chav and, and you know, elkbros.com. I mean, all these guys that, you know, that really care and the hunting community's turned out. I mean, it's amazing the love and the support that we have in such a short time of us, you know, doing this. Yeah. And I, and one thing, that's the one thing I, I really want to point out um, uh, tonight, especially because the, the topic tonight, what we're getting ready to talk about um, is, is one of the, the, the dark things, the dark happening, some of the not so good stories of things that can happen during a season. And, uh, you know, I, I really, even though we're going to talk about that, I want everybody out there to, to really, truly remember that I, you know, there's just a, a, a tiny, tiny part of, uh, there's turds everywhere in every friggin' oh, yeah. I, you know, so For uh, sure. that happens out there. But the, the hunting community, guys, if we continue to stick together, if we're there for each other in all sorts of ways, in which, you know, we're going to talk about in a few minutes, um, 
I just want you to remember that even though we're talking about this, we're going to find the positives of it. We're going to see, yeah. you know, we're going to talk about how to, just like anything, you don't want to get hurt. You don't want to sprain an ankle. You don't get by, bit by a snake. You don't want to uh, fall off a cliff. You don't want any of that. Yeah, stuff to happen. Of that. And yeah. uh, so, you know, this is going to be a teaching moment tonight, y'all. And uh, we're going to talk about that. And, uh, and we're going to cover some horror stories because these are actual things, stories that, uh, other guys had called me and told me about or, or, or emailed me about. And I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm on the road. In fact, we were at the Hall of Fame presentation and I get a text comes across my phone and says, somebody stole my elk. Can you imagine? That's crazy, yeah. man. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about those things, Gilbert, here, here in a minute. Uh, but Well, Joe, before we talk about uh, some of these horror stories, uh-huh. You kind of got to know what time it is, Joe. <laughs> yes, sir. We can't, we, can't, uh, we can't leave that. Yeah, there it is. The Elk Bro <laughs> shout out. Shout out. Shout out. You guys that are new to our show, these are just some of the ways that our listeners show up and you top our charts every week. Uh, and we give a shout out to those cities topping our charts. You betcha. And um, also, uh, guys, uh, bear with us. I hear a little bit of a popping noise, possibly that you're catching uh, from Gilbert's side over there. And I'm not sure what's causing that. And we apologize. We're, we'll try to figure it out before next time. Because the show's so hot, Joe. <laughs> it's a it pop, sizzles like bacon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the best way to figure that one out. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to start with our first city. This is the one topping our charts this week. Originally known as Central Park. Yep. Uh, the guy that named this place had visited New York Central Park and was so enamored. You like that word, Gilbert? Enamored? I like enamored, yes. He, he was so enamored with New York Park that he named this place Central Park. It's the world's first Kentucky Fried Chicken, now KFC, franchise was established here in 1952 by Harlan Sanders. I know him as the Colonel. Colonel no Sanders. Doubt. And this was in South Salt Lake, Utah. Eww. Salt, <laughs> South Salt Lake, Utah. South Salt Lake, yeah. And ah, okay. So here's the thing is you, it's hard to find anything on this city because Salt Lake keeps coming up. But South Salt Lake was actually a rural, more rural area out. And, and you know, as a city grows, it ends up getting swallowed. So uh, ended up becoming part of the metro area, but it is amongst itself a city. <laughs> all, all right, Joe. Look, <laughs> he loves to watch me stammer around with names and oh. <laughs> stuff like that. So he gives me this Indian thing coming up. So y'all, look, this is a city four miles west of Milwaukee. This city <laughs> is known by the locals as Tosa. And is named after Potawatomi, in the Potawatomi Indian chief. The name means firefly. And if you like scary, the 1842 Tabernacle Cemetery located here has a ghost of a man often seen to a tree right behind the cemetery sign flashing and unexpected light and unsuspected and, and freaks out a lot of visitors. <laughs> yeah. That city is Wauwatosa, 
Wisconsin. Wauwatosa. Do me a favor. Turn that mic of yours down just a little bit, bro. Take it down a couple more notches because it still sounds a little rough. I'm not sure why it's picking up. Give me a text. Yeah, okay, we're good. Test one, two, three. Yeah, we're picking you up good now. Okay. Good, good. Yeah, Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, man. <laughs> Why you do that to me, Joe? You give me all this stuff that's not even Espanol. I, I want I want you to show people how just intellectual. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, you just like to see me mess up and have to redo. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, so next up, here we go at Gilbert. And I don't know, maybe it's your system volume. I don't know if you have an up down button on your system volume. You might, if you have like a down button on your system volume, because I haven't heard a change in that mic volume yet. So really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Man, it doesn't just says same as system. Yeah. You ain't got to get any closer to it because you sound plenty loud, man. Okay, good. All right. So, uh, for next up. For any of our listeners that love to golf, this next city has 22 golf courses within 22 miles, and their carnival of cultures held in March has booths from different ethnic groups featuring international cuisine, traditional arts and crafts. And would you believe that this city's beautiful area was actually discovered? Now, this is back in... God, I want to say 1700s, Gilbert, mm. when the founders actually found it when they were chasing some sheep thieves. <laughs> so, sheep thieves. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. 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 These men love their sheep. So, hey, hey you know, uh, Chango, like my father-in-law says, each, you know, each monkey swings on a different limb. So these guys. It's a hangable offense here in Texas. <laughs> Stealing sheep. Stealing sheep. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So this was in San Marcos, California. Hoppy dog. San, San Marcos, Marcos, California yeah. in the house. Yep. Saint Next up, Joe, proclaimed as the timber capital of the nation. This town is famous for fishing, rafting, waterfalls. But if you want to fly a kite, you might need to go elsewhere. Average wind speed here is a mere two miles per hour in early November. Even at its windiest in late June, the average wind speed of five miles an hour puts it among the calmest cities in the United States. Roseburg, Oregon, and I. Roseburg. Man, all those, hey, all you Oregon boys out there, man, we so appreciate you guys. And we got so many listeners from Oregon. I mean, man, I, I you know, Washington. Yeah, all over the West that we're, we're getting all these different listeners, but Oregon just cranking it out, man. I, that's what surprised me about our last city here on our list. Last but not least is actually a borough and not a city itself as most people think. But if the, get this, if the entire world had a population density of these listeners borough, it would fit into a single country. With a population density, now see if you can wrap your head around this, of 72,000 people per square mile. And it ain't in China. (laughs) (laughs) 72,000 people per square mile. It's amongst the most peopled over places on earth. If the world lived with this density, if every, every, every place in the world lived with this density, everyone would fit into New Zealand. We could put the entire world wow. population onto New Zealand if they fit with that density. From another perspective, though, if this place had a population density of Alaska, 
then only 28 people would inhabit the entire island where it's at. Wow. <laughs> Manhattan, New York. Manhattan, New York and Manhattan, the Big Apple. New York. Yes, sir. Yep. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, like I said, it's a, it's a borough of, you know, they have the five boroughs there in New York Absolutely. City. So, um, yeah. even the, I mean, you think of all, you know, all of those thousands of people there and it's not its own city. It's just a borough of the larger city. That's, I think it's pretty interesting. It's an interesting town. I've been there several times in uh, Manhattan, uh, all over the Bronx. I mean, it's an interesting place, but I'm sure as I'm sitting here right now talking to you, Joe, there are plenty of guys that like to elk hunt from New York. You know, that's what was so cool, man. I mean, we're getting, uh, we've had guys from the Bronx, right? New York yeah. City, now yes, Manhattan. Um, we got listeners in all those areas. And uh, Gilbert, I, we're over 3,000 cities here in the U.S., man. And, that's fantastic, uh, Jim. Yeah, it's, it's so cool. I mean, and, and it, I would think that I would see the same places every time, um, but that's not the case, man. Uh, well, I want to thank all of our listeners out there for bearing with us, too, that we've gone through some health issues with our loved ones and stuff yeah, like that. Definitely. It's something we hate to miss, but we, we hope you guys understand we're going to do everything we can to keep pumping this content out. You guys that like us, please rate, review, subscribe. I mean, that's really how we get, get this ball rolling. Um, you know, if you got questions and comments, please go to info at elbros.com. I mean, that's how we get all of this going, you know, yeah. and uh, we're, we're passionate about it. Uh, we needed to take care of some business, Joe, myself, and uh, we hated missing, but, you know, we got things we feel like on the downhill slope and we still need those prayers and, and good well wishes and thoughts and uh, appreciate all of that. Yeah, you, know, you ain't kidding we, Joe, we've had so many great success stories come in from our listeners this season, uh, yeah. and we want to thank them for all those. But tonight, it's uh, it's about those stories, isn't it? No, no, no. These stories, um, man, I tell you, when I heard, when some of this came across to me, I I could not believe it, Gilbert. I was uh, I was really blown away. But again, I, I want to remind everybody that these incidents. These are the blue moon happenings, y'all. Um, and uh, but it only takes one bad experience to taint the whole water bucket, right? You know, For I mean, sure. and it's so funny. Today, I, I was actually listening to a podcast today. Um, uh, I was listening to uh, the Elk Talk podca podcast with Randy Newberg and Corey Jacobson shout out to those guys. They do a great job. And, and the, reason I was, job. <laughs> the reason I was listening to it was I, when I looked at it, it, it was talking about out of state hunters. Evidently uh, on one of the hunt, Corey Jacobson had received a note on his truck when he got back that said, uh, yeah, it's like, <laughs> um, locals only, you know, go back to Washington. <laughs> and they didn't know he was from, Idaho, <laughs> just sure. yeah. a Washington vehicle, but that kind yeah. of goes into this stuff. And in, uh, it, it was interesting that, you know, we had this schedule for tonight and that I saw that and there was a little bit of a common theme. And I want to make sure that we kind of let everybody know how we feel about, because Gilbert, you come to New Mexico as an out-of-stater. I do. 
Yeah. And, Every year. And I don't think, I don't know, maybe you could enlighten us. What has that experience been like for you? Well, I'll tell you, you know, it's been amazing. The people there are amazing. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, at first they're kind of reserved when they meet you, but, you know, they're real warm and, and real inviting. Uh, I got to tell you, I'm much more guarded growing up where I've grown up here in, in the suburbs of H-Town. Uh, this is a city that never sleeps, truly. Right. Um, and and you got to stay on your toes because there's elements out here. I hate to say that about my town, but there's elements here that – that aren't very fun to deal with. And, sure. you know, this year I had a horrible experience coming to New Mexico, a blowed out four tires and <laughs> yeah, right. this, that, and the other. But look, and I'm going to tell you, I, I was in a little town. Uh, yeah, a little town, a wagon mound. And I, I was kind of freaked out because people kept rolling up on me with their, their lights <laughs> on and stuff. And look where I come from, ain't nothing good fixing to happen when that happens. Right. <laughs> right. So I, you know, I strapped up like I'm always pretty much strapped up and, you know, <laughs> I felt like such a dumbass. you know, excuse my French, but I felt <laughs> like such a, a idiot being that way. Cause those people were just trying to see what the heck I was doing there. Right. right? Who's right. that in my town? In, right? in our little and, town. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they really, they came out to help and they were so helpful. Uh, you know, I, I can't thank, yes, sir. Can't thank those people enough. Uh, you know, so I can, I can only say good things about the people in New Mexico, and Colorado that I've been around, uh, very, very accommodating folks. Uh, right. I've been, I've been so fortunate to be able to hunt and, you know, in that area where we hunt and then, you know, up around the Johnson's Mesa area, there's good people all over that country. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, each of these stories that we're about to talk about <laughs> were way different than what you're talking about. And, sure. but, but we want to make sure, guys, that when we talk about this, we're coaches. And each of this from this, we're hoping that it's a teaching moment. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the natural reaction to each of these things, you know, I mean, how we might react, how we should react, you know, uh, yeah. uh, how would we react and why. What would we do from there in that situation? And I want to talk about, you know, can we prepare for something like this in, in any way? And, and I think there are ways that we can prepare for something like that. For sure. If I could say one thing to our listeners that are landowners here in Texas, I'm talking to my people here in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and if somebody shoots a deer on your neighbor's, on your on a neighboring property and it jumps onto your property and dies, please allow them to come and harvest their animal. You know, we, we all need to get along and love our neighbors and stuff like that. Don't, don't be a, a turd and not allow that person to come get there. I, I have seen this about 10 times this year already. And you know, the game one can't make you uh relinquish that animal it's on your property sure uh he and he won't here in the state of texas i think right. that's a, i think it's horrible i think the landowners that won't allow you to come retrieve your animal is horrible uh you know especially if you can show them where you, you've made a you know a clean kill a clean killing shot on your side and the animal jumped a fence and i think you should be accommodating to those that would you know want to harvest an animal and and, and bring him back. I mean, instead of you retrieving him and taking him from your own or letting him waste out there for the coyotes to eat, I just want people to treat their brothers 
with respect and their brothers and their sisters with respect and honor and, uh, and, and do unto those as you'd want done unto you, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I just wanted to get that out there cause man, yes, you know, sir. I've heard that three or four times here in Texas and man, all our brothers out there need to treat each other better. Well, you know, and, and that's the whole thing is that we all as a hunting community. Now the problem is, is not everybody that are those neighboring landowners are of the hunting community. Um, that's I, right. I, I, I understand right. that, but you know, a lot of those feelings that come across like that too is again, how, we, how we represent, how we uh, right. handle a situation and, and uh, the diplomacy that we use. So there's things that we can do to help ourselves out with that, but message definitely heard on that and totally believe that i you know we we can we can really elaborate on that but we're gonna we're gonna move into some of these stories here and the first story and and i'm gonna i'm not gonna give last names to protect the innocent here but uh (laughs) dennis's story uh dennis is uh he's from montana and dennis had actually you know you meet a lot of people through what we do. And, uh, he had texted, he had emailed and, uh, we had been in communication cause he was coming to New Mexico. And, and, and here's a hint for some of you guys, you guys are always asking like, you know, uh, how do we know places to hunt? How do I go about finding places? What's better and what's not? Well, Dennis didn't come and say, Joe, where should I go hunting? No, Dennis had a plan, and and he said, you know, I, I've got these areas scoped out. I'm going to be in this unit, and 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 what do you think? Should I waste time, and you know, would I be wasting time in one? Would I be better in the other? And we had talked about that, and kind of got him pointed in a direction. Um, I didn't tell him, you know, this is where I go, where you should go, where somebody else goes. It's just like, you know, that's where he did his research, and and uh, it's like, well, I think that's, you know, you're in the right direction like that. So. He's there, and the first thing I get on my phone is an email because he doesn't have my phone number at the time. And the email says, someone is shooting at us. We are on the top of a mountain, and these hooligans have come up behind our vehicle and are shooting at our vehicle and up into the trees where we're at. He said, man, we are freaked out. Uh, we're up here glassing. We've spotted an elk. You know, we're, we're getting ready for opening day tomorrow, and there's people. He's like, we're, I can hear sirens down there because we've called the police, and and uh, they can hear them coming up the, the mountain, basically. You know, mm-hmm. the, the sirens echoing, echoing through. And uh, he's like, man, we're, not, we're freaked out. We're not coming down off this mountain till midnight, man. We're not going down there, you know, because – some guys from from our uh, one of our smaller communities up there had followed these guys up there and they were drunk they saw them get out of one of the guys get out of the vehicle and start puking on the side of the the truck so um alcohol and guns uh not a good mix number 1 and uh and mm. these guys basically went on a mission and mission accomplished to freak out some hunters from out of state because they had seen their out of state license plates and them going up there. And mm-hmm. Gilbert, when I heard this, man, I was like, 
I was so ashamed. First, I was shocked. I was angry. I was ashamed that here these guys that had come to New Mexico Mm -hmm. um, with all of these dreams and, and all of this excitement to come out here and hunt our beautiful land of enchantment was met with a terrorizing experience, man. And, and oh, Riz, you know, they weren't in Montana, Joe. No, they were here in New Mexico. They came Mexico. to New Mexico. Yes, really? Sir. Yes, sir. Wow. Yes, I'm very sir. shocked. And they were hunting not too, I mean, they were hunting in an area not too far from where I live. And, and so that's why I was able to tell them. Wow. And, and yeah, and when he tells me this, I'm just like, okay, <laughs> what is my first reaction? Because Gilbert, I don't know. And, and, I don't hunt during the rifle season, um, but I come from a gun family. And mm-hmm. what those – see, those guys that did this, they were cowards, number one. They're, they're flat-out cowards. To, you know, to have a – we call it a pica. To have, you know, to be bugged by these guys out of state coming into mm-hmm. New Mexico, hunting probably in an area that they hunt in, and then going up there to – take it out on them and to scare them and try to scare them off the mountain. Uh, First of all, it's criminal, Joe. It's criminal. Shoot at anybody is criminal. I mean, there's a, you're culpable of many offensives. Do you know where this could have gone? Do you know where the, I mean, cause I don't know at that moment, if this happens to me, uh, if somebody's shooting at me, I don't know that I would in the moment have not shot back. Yeah, and, and so so one of the things I think you've got to understand is the first thing when you know you're being shot at. Sure. Uh, the first thing you've got to do is get to cover. Exactly. Uh, to to preserve your life. Sure. So you got to get to cover, and then you got to get help. Uh, now, if they're closing in on you and they're shooting at you, and you are fear, you have to defend in fear for immediate danger, uh, and they're you know. I'm not talking about them 400 yards away. I'm talking right. about, about them closing the distance sure. and getting within that zone where you're now feeling threatened for your life. Some guys might feel threatened for their life at 400 yards, right? Mm-hmm. Get to some cover. Um, hopefully they're not in an elevated position. Uh, if they're in an elevated position, you're in serious trouble. Uh, you've got to get to cover and you got to find help. you got to get – uh, law enforcement involved sounds like they did they did uh, i like did everybody law- did you know and uh, sounds like they got some law enforcement involved they did um, the the gentlemen were not caught the gentlemen the idiots i don't i can't call them daggum gentlemen the, you know the those cis those uh uh leeches on society Scourge. because i'm just yeah. so angry about this man i i'm sorry but i'm just so angry that um if you have a problem with somebody and you're not man enough just to go and have a conversation with them about it, uh, yeah. you know, to tell them your feelings where you got to pull out a weapon uh, and, and, and put somebody's <laughs> life in jeopardy, 
you know, and, and uh, it basically terrorized them. Like you said, this mm -hmm. was criminal. It was as criminal as it gets as far as I'm yeah. concerned. And uh, I hope anybody out there that uh, that has. So did anybody this, get a license plate on the vehicle, Joe? No, I mean, sir. They saw no, them puking outside the vehicle. No, no. I mean, was it a UTV they were in or were uh, they in You know, I don't or? have the exact details on it. Um, um, you know, they talked with police at the time mm -hmm. that came mm -hmm. up. Um uh, and the, the guys got away. They, you know, they knew the hills and took a little bit different and most likely, you know, uh, you know, they were running from a situation that they know could have been very bad for them as well. I mean, those guys should have gone to jail. So you could know, have gone to jail, could have got killed. Yeah. You know? There's a, a lot, you know, and, and the thing is, is, you know, when, I tell you, you pull a weapon on me and I'm like you, I'm going to find some cover. Right. And if you keep coming, I don't have a problem in the world of taking that's, care of that business. That could be the natural reaction. And that's why we're talking about this as a teaching moment. That could be the natural sure. reaction right there, depending on your personality, because I was raised that when a person points a gun at you, they intend to kill you. And, 100%. And so it, it brings out some different instincts in me that might some other people. And, and, and <laughs> yeah, you put a weapon on me, we're done talking. That's, that's, that's right. And we're done talking. But right. at the same time, Gilbert, you have to, at the same time, you have to tell yourself, am I willing? Because once I start to go past that line, yeah. you don't, yeah, yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't get to take it back. It's Look, I, like I said, man, you, you want to make sure you find cover, get yourself in a situation that's safe uh, and, you know. Then you gotta assess the situation. Yeah, call for help. Then you gotta assess the situation. Are they pushing? Right. Or are they pushing in on me further? Right. Um, and then in you gotta my, figure out what you wanna do. In my uh, horrible situation, forty years of in my lifetime, I'm I'm getting. I just turned fifty eight. Uh, mm -hmm. In my lifetime, I have never. I, you know, I've heard of stuff happen with law enforcement, game wardens, and I know certain yeah. areas and certain parts of the states and stuff, but I have never heard of a situation like this. And, and I was so appalled that, um, you know, I, I told Dennis, man, dude, uh, he's like, do you know, is there some place we can go because we're not coming back here? And, and, and I, and at that point, things had changed. Now I was, I was in, um, I'm going to help these boys out in any way I can mode. And sure. they happen to be near uh, a small town where I have plenty of friends. And, and I called a buddy of mine and said, look, this is what's just happened. And uh, I said, uh, can I get you to help me out? Cause I want them to go to this place and they don't know where it's at. And he said, you just, here's my phone number, have them call me. I will meet them. And we sent them to two different areas that, that we knew of that were solid areas. And, uh, um, you know, it was so funny because Dennis, he's like, man, I cannot believe that you're helping me out like this. And I was like, brother, I want you to understand something, you yeah. know, you are part, this is my state. You're in my backyard. And what yeah. just happened to you, I am so sorry for, and I am going to do everything I can to make it up to you. And, mm -hmm. and I tried to. And, um, you know, when something like that happens, Dennis and his group, they reacted 
um, the best way they knew how. They did not want to escalate the situation. They took cover, make sure they were safe, make sure somebody got there that could help them out. Um, uh, these guys did not come up on the mountain on them. Um, but, you know, people, um, you know, like I said, I, I don't think, uh, I think most of y'all out there, the, the thousands of people listening to this, all y'all could hunt for the next 50 years, all of y'all, and never experience something like this. But yeah. if one of you ever does, um, you know, I think every one of you should always think about how would I react or what should I do in that situation? Because preparedness, and we talk about this, our, our thing is always find your failure point and learn to yeah. overcome it. And, you know, um, number one, you got to have a way to communicate. And these guys, luckily enough, were able to get out some stuff on their cell phone. Uh, I always preach for people to have something, especially like in your group as like an in reach someplace where you can get a message out. Um, I know Gilbert, you carry a sat phone in, in camp yep. and uh, we have that, but you know, this is a hard thing to prepare for other than mentally in an emergency situation like this. How should you handle it? Okay, so I told you what my gut reaction was, but the thing that you should always do, and it's hard when you got bullets whizzing through the air, but you need to first get yourself safe, number one. Make sure yeah. that you and your partners are safe. Number two, take a breath and assess the situation, okay? Uh, yeah. Once you assess the situation, now you're going to determine what your next step is going to be. Is it going to be a defensive? Is it going to be an offensive? Are these guys really cowards like this really are shooting up in the air, um, which could still is so daggum dangerous, you know, uh, and guys, well, goes up, laughing, it's got to come down, Joe. Uh, again, when I'm laughing, it's not because I'm, uh, it's, it's comical. Yeah. It's because that's my defense mechanism, uh, the way I handle sure. some things. So, uh, you know, yeah, um, and it's one of those things that, you know, don't don't let those guys win, you know, and Dennis and those guys, the first reaction to them was, man, we're, you know, we want to leave. And if he would have done that, he would have given those guys exactly what they were trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. So we did just the opposite. We invited him in as one of our New Mexico brothers and tried to help him to and his his uh, his guys that were with him and, and find a good place for them to hunt and try to help them out as much as possible. That's that's the least we could have done on that. And I had I not been in another area of the state, I would have been right there myself, you know, walking with them. So um yeah. It may come out yet who did it may come out yet who did it. It's going to touch a bunch of listeners. And yes, it sure those, is. Those guys like that talk about it. You know, one thing I figured out from a background in law enforcement and everything else is most of your turds out there are stupid. So yeah, yeah. Uh, they're going to they're gonna be bragging about it, this, that, and the other. And that kind of stuff will find you out. Yep. And now the, it didn't end there, though, Gilbert, the drama. So I told him to go to this one area, and um, it's it's public land. And it was so funny that I was listening to that uh, podcast today because a buddy of mine had taken him up in there, told him, showed him where he could park. They went up, they hunted, came down to their vehicle to a note on his windshield. 
<laughs> no way, dude. Are you serious? I kid you not, oh man. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and the note said, uh, Get out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lord. Yeah, the note said something like James. And this guy's name isn't James. So evidently, whoever put on it thought it was somebody else said, you know, James, we have notified the authorities. You are trespassing. And, and, and you can take your, and he didn't say it this way, but for our family said, take your crap paper with you and stuck some toilet paper that I, that I guess they found on the ground someplace up there uh, on his windshield. So evidently another person had gone in there and had had upset these people and uh, maybe they had the same color vehicle and they thought Goodness, that man. they were them, write this note, put it on there and, and tell them, you know, to get out and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> guys are doomed yeah so you know dennis man had some drama man and uh i i got a photo from him the other day back home in montana uh with a cow elk right there on thanksgiving so um uh the elk gods were good for him after all he suffered and stuff and and they did they ended up having uh, a good hunt they didn't get an animal uh while they were hunting but uh they had they had some good experiences as well so hopefully wow. we salvage some of that and uh yeah <laughs> so the next story unbelievable so get this i get and and what what a great guy sam is sam uh sends me a photo he's an elk bros follower sends a photo about his success we actually have it on our site and uh and i like to when guys send a photo in like that i like to call them personally and congratulate them you know so sure. i i get sam's uh uh phone number from him and i give him a call and he's driving through the mountains he's heading back home from Colorado where he was successful and uh and he says <laughs> he said he never tells this before but Sam shoots an elk and they are packing the elk back to their vehicle well as they're getting close about a mile out his buddy's pack with some of the quarters in it busts and oh. so they had to leave that quarter there. And so the plan was they were going to take all their gear, go to their truck, pack everything in their truck, get the pack they had, go back and get that other quarter and come back. So they are doing that, coming back. And when they're coming back to their vehicle, all the windows are smashed out. All their gear is gone. Bows, camping oh. gear, oh. elk meat, everything is gone if luckily enough their vehicle keys were not they didn't find their vehicle keys in there so the vehicle which they were going to steal was still there but all busted out right? oh, dang, man. So, so so the story goes man you, you talk about patience of job these guys drive into durango to go to the local toyota shop to get their vehicle fixed so that they can get on the road and go back home. And, you know, they talk to the police, everything like that. Well, while they are at the tire shop, his buddy gets a text on his phone that says that his credit card is being used there in that town. <laughs> it gets even wow. better. Wow. At the tire store across the street. 
Yeah. From where they're getting Toyota worked on? Yes, sir. Oh, so they man. go to the guy and said, do you know where this place is? He goes, yeah, it's across the street. So they call the police. They tell them. The police get over there. Um, a chase ensues. They find the guy there and tase the guy, take him down, uh, end up finding a hotel card in his pocket hotel cards, you know, key cards, go uh -huh. to the hotel. The guy had rented two rooms and the rooms were full of camping gear and hunting gear from multiple vehicles. In fact, he was trying, he was putting new tires on a stolen vehicle that he had stolen up there. So wow. this guy was victimizing hunters up in the Colorado mountains. And, uh, you know, uh, it, the the saddest part the the good good part was they caught the guy right the sad, they got your stuff the sad part is when your stuff is involved in a crime oh yeah please keep it it becomes evidence while. and so you don't get it back for I mean I don't know if he'll have it back his bow and everything before next season man and mm -hmm. you know uh, it, it, that's the hard part is is being it it doesn't stop being the victim of some kind of crime like that mm -hmm. but you know, uh, what do you do, man? I mean, what is your first gut reaction? What's your natural reaction to this? And, and you know, I mean, these guys had to have just been devastated, you know, and, uh, uh, that's, that's unbelievable. And I, I don't, I wish I knew how much other people around them, if there were people around them that were able to help them out with this or, or not. But, uh, you know, their first reaction was to get into a town and report it. And, you know, uh, how, how do you prepare for something like that? You know, you don't, I mean, that's horrible people. There are horrible people in this world, Joe. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's not much you can do. The only thing you can do is lock your doors, lock her to make, you know, keep honest people honest. Sure. And, uh, at the end of the day, if the thief wants your stuff, he's going to probably get it. You can right. try to make it hard for them, make it uncomfortable where they move on to another t easier target. Right. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I'm going to tell you something about thieves. You know, I have a little background in law enforcement. Thieves are very desperate people, and they're the most dangerous people out there. Professional thieves, they don't want to call any attention to themselves. Yeah, right. So you're not going to find a guy like him going, a professional thief, going around using your credit card at a tire shop in the same dang town that's close to where he made his theft, right? Sure. Uh, like I said, most thieves and turds are dumb, so that's why they get caught. Um, at the end of the day, you know, um, all you can try to do is, is lock your stuff up and try to make it hard for them to steal it. Uh, but you know, at, you at know, the end of the day, I, I think, gonna, yeah, I totally get it. They're going to make it hard on you. you yeah. Know? And I think the only thing that we can do to prepare for something like this is, again, it goes back to us being a community, is that, you know, we, we have talked about um, the unwritten rules and ethics and stuff like that when you're around people's camp and around people's gear. I, I think the other thing that is unwritten is, is again, you know, we are a community. It is up to us to take care of each other. If you mm -hmm. see somebody that is doing something um, that looks out of line or uh, affecting other people out there 
you know, uh, of our hunting community. Report it. Um, if you're not comfortable with stepping in on it, asking somebody something, you know, uh, be careful putting yourself in a bad situation. Um, but everybody has a cell phone right now and they video all have it. cameras on a video, take yep. pictures. That's some of the best thing that you can do to help out. And luckily, like you said, this, um, there's dumb criminals out there and, and, and this was, <laughs> this was one of them, man. That's I he got caught, serves his butt right. Yep definitely man that was so cool that 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 happened so yeah that's like i said criminals are thieves like that joe are desperate people and they'll do anything so you got to be real careful with them you know yeah desperate people do desperate things and they can hurt you and ain't none of your gear none of your bows none of your elk meat worth your life sure so you know when faced with something in, in that kind of adversity relinquish all of that you know live to fight another day uh, so on my last story here, um, Andy story, uh, again, this is one of those texts. I'm actually, uh, we're, we're at, we're in uh, Portales at the hall of fame thing for Chav. And mm-hmm. I get a text that, uh, that says someone stole my elk. So yeah, this is a first time elk hunter. Um, in fact, had never thought about elk hunting until listening to our podcast. Uh, is this in New Mexico too, this Joe? Is it, this one's in New Mexico. Now, Sam was in Colorado. Uh, right. Dennis was. So, yeah, I I, I hope, uh, you guys, it doesn't freak you all out about New Mexico again. Uh, but <laughs> uh, first time elk hunter hunting with his brother, had, had listened to all of our podcasts, had taken everything, learned so much, and goes up on his first elk hunt ever, opening morning, opening morning of the rifle elk, calls in a bull to 80 yards, and drops him. Boom. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Awesome. So here, here's where, where things and get a little interesting and and this is where this one's actually kind of good conversation is is his first time hunting i he gets so excited him and his brother they're taking pictures they're high-fiving they're they're on cloud nine i mean had never been elk hunting before doing this for the first time and uh and and opening morning calling a bull which just blew their mind and uh and take the bull so they're like well let's go get that the UTV and bring it back as close as we can so that we can get our, our bull onto the UTV. And so they do, they go to get the UTV, hike all the way back to their camp, get the vehicle, come back. And when they get there, the only thing they find is tire tracks, footprints, and beer cans, no elk. What? Yep. The whole elk is gone? whole elk is gone. They loaded and, it in a vehicle and took it? Yes, or in sir. a UTV? Yes, sir. Exactly. Yep. And <laughs> so, uh, uh, now let's, let's, let's really take a look at this because at first thought, you're kind of like, yeah, somebody stole his elk. But so here's where the mistake happened is that after they shot the animal, they didn't gut the animal. They didn't tag the animal. They got so excited, they left the animal to go get. They just did not think, didn't think through. And they did leave one person with the animal. 
Yeah, and and it it just uh, so. I've talked to several people about about this, and we've chewed about this and tried to see it from different viewpoints. And I've had, you know, I've had some people say, "Well, look, if I'm in the woods and I am hiking and I come across a dead elk, and I've waited there and there's nobody that's around the area that it's not tagged, it's not gutted," he said, "I assume somebody has shot this thing and and lost it." And I don't want it to go bad, and I'm going to take it, you know. Um, okay. Don't y'all have? Don't they have to notify the game warden if they do that? You know, uh, that's in a New real Mexico? good. That's a real good question. You know, I know they have to in Colorado. You know, if you're going to, uh, but I wonder how many people would do that. I wonder how many people would take the time to actually do something like that. And what you should do, and sometimes what, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. happens with that i mean for example so the same thing happened with a buddy of mine justin howe in colorado right they heard a hell of an elk fight going on down in the canyon they ran down there bull chatter his vertebrae in his neck in the fight and the bull's dead laying there after the fight's over sure they called they're like well you know i mean yeah. can we have the meat the elk's you dead with none of us killing our it, bow, yes. right Yes. So the, the game warden said, listen, you know, if y'all touch that elk, that's your elk. That's right. And if you skin him and y'all got to put a tag on him. And they're exactly. Like, well, and see, well, we want to keep hunting. And the, yeah. and the game warden's like, well, if y'all want to keep hunting, then you can't tag the elk. You know, and he's like, well, are you going to come out here and get it? Because it's going to go to waste and the coyotes are going to eat it. She said, no, I'm like two and a half hours away. So we don't want to let the meat go to waste. She said, well, if you guys want to gut and quarter it, I'll come pick it up from you. So they gutted it and quartered it. Oh, okay. And and she came out and she said, you know, because you guys did the right thing, I'm going to write you a receipt for this elk and you guys can keep it or you can donate it to the hunters for the hungry. There you go. uh, That's a win-win. That that is, but they did the right thing, Joe. That's right take the elk and like they said you know we didn't know somebody shot him or what we heard a heck of a fight going on down there and that elk died in the fight you know yeah. shattered his neck so definitely uh, well and i can tell you one of the things you know when you think about this too by law after these guys had killed their animal and came yeah. to it the first they thing they're supposed to, to do is they're supposed to notch their tag right that's right and uh, and and again being a first time out and, and never having elk hunted, I, I can see that being an honest mistake. But you know, they he didn't was, have a guide with them. Joe, oh they no, they were on their no. own, bro. They they they, had, wow. they didn't need a guide. They were listening to elk bros. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and and they called the game warden. They had that conversation, and uh, they, and again, the game warden did the right thing too, and realized what was going on there. And, had them uh, continue to hunt and he had a photo man he had a photo of him with the animal oh man that's horrible yeah and and he felt horrible and you know we had a lot of conversation about that and that's that's a tough one to overcome you know you have such a bad taste in your mouth and um again those guys learned from it um you know they they had to rise up from that um the next day they call in another bull and his brother shoots it. So uh, they they had a very successful hunt. They had a real, uh, 
up and down emotions, man. I mean, it was, yeah. it was peaks and valleys of emotions, you know, you're down, down, and then you're up, up, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, when we, when we talk about a teaching moment, you know, the, the natural reaction for them was to think somebody had stole their animal and to feel violated and stuff like that. But at the same time, you've got to stop and take a look. Okay. What was my part in this? You know, mm-hmm. I should well, have, how long did it take them to get back to the elk? You know, I don't know. You know, when you're hiking, uh, and then getting gear together at camp and then coming back, you know, it, it, it might've been hour and a half, two hours. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm guessing, so I don't know exactly how far away they were, you know, from sure. um, you know, they, they did the right thing. They contacted law enforcement. They talked with law enforcement and, and uh, you know, they, they gave them their best advice and told them to keep hunting. Uh, they were pretty sick, but these brothers ended up having a great time together. And mm-hmm. uh, I would say the best way that they could prepare for something like this is, is just to make sure that you just follow protocol, you know, make sure that after an animal, you notch that tag, you, you go ahead and gut that animal and make sure that that animal is tagged before you go to get it. You want to do that anyway, guys, you don't, um, you don't want to leave that animal. Now it's winter time, of course, but you you want to go ahead and uh, gut that animal and start getting them cooled as soon as possible or quartered out, whatever you're going to do. And, and, and I think lesson learned here is you need to leave. If you got two guys, you need to leave one with him. Yeah. You know, uh, but, it's almost imperative. Well, and I can tell you, Gilbert, as far as that goes, when, when you're someplace that you don't know, sometimes mm-hmm. having somebody with you is a little bit of a comfort so that, you know, you worry about mm-hmm. somebody getting lost or if you're sitting there waiting with the elk and you're there for two hours and they don't show up, then you start worrying if they're lost and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if you don't have communication. So, uh, yeah. That's that's some things that you guys got to really think about with stuff like that. I I would say that you know uh, I would rather if I didn't know and they wanted to travel together that that animal was was tagged, quartered out, hanging, and then go get the vehicle, come and get it, haul it out, and then if somebody steals your animal, it's yeah, it's it's actual theft, you know, like that because you know that they knew that animal was was taken care of. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. So those are the some uh, three of the stories from the 2019 season. Man. Some of you guys, you guys listening out there, if you have any stories like that that uh, uh, you'd like for us to talk about and uh, and and share with people and and how you handled it and uh, the lessons that you learned from it, drop us an email, man. Um, or if you guys have any questions from any of that, send it to us. We're getting ready to go to our Elk Bros mailbox and. Yes, sir. We're you know, guys, don't forget, you know, you can send questions into us at info, I-N-F-O, at elkbros.com. And, you know, we always ask you, and you hear it in there, but guys, please do us a favor, man. Um, if you're on YouTube watching this, if you're on Apple Podcasts listening to it, if you're on Stitcher, you know, rate us and leave a review for us. And please go ahead. Hit that subscribe button, man. Uh, yep. You subscribe, then you know when we do a podcast and comes out, you're gonna you're gonna know right away uh, when that's come out. Okay. So on our mailbox, Gilbert, I don't know if you noticed, but I only have one name on here because uh, we had some <laughs> questions that came in, and these guys would rather had stayed anonymous on this because 
they, they didn't want to feel like they offended anyone. And, and uh, so we've, uh, <laughs> we've eliminated the names uh, right. yeah, on, on the first two questions here. And, um, and they really have to do with relationships between hunters. So um, the first question says, the group I went with has been hunting this area for 30 years or so, and I'm fortunate and grateful they asked me to join them. But what advice would you give to a first-time elk hunter going with a well-established group? Hmm. Well, I mean, if you're going with a well-established group, I mean, you gotta you gotta fit in. You know, uh, I think it's important for you to fit in. I think it's important for you to try to be helpful and um, you know, and then not go against the grain. I mean, these guys have offered, you know, to offer to bring you into their camp. And I think you, you, uh, you should definitely be grateful, you know, and, and act that way for sure. Yeah. And you, and you actually take it for what it is. It's an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, because these guys have been hunting this area for so long, they're kind of sharing some stuff with you, but at the same time, this is an opportunity for you to learn to get mm -hmm. your feet wet um, and to experience these guys. And that doesn't mean that it's a marriage. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you go to hunt with them and, and again, like Gilbert says, man, cause we have guys, we, we have a new person that generally comes into our camp that uh, ever so often and hunts with us. And, and I measure guys up pretty quick and, uh, <laughs> and you know, you can tell the ones that are out there that are excited, um, that, that really love the hunt, that love the opportunity, that are grateful to be in the woods and, and grateful to learn and they work hard and they want to really, um, you know, have the whole experience. And, and as somebody that's been out there a lot of times and hunting places, when I get those, it actually takes me back. I love seeing their excitement. So, you know, I would say that when you come into a group like that, you know, don't, don't underwhelm yourself, man. Don't hide yeah. the excitement. Uh, enjoy the Be moment. Be a sponge. Be a sponge, yeah. man. Learn, ask questions, learn, uh, you know, be helpful to the group, um, you know, participate, um, and then try to hook your wagon to somebody who's been real successful within that group. There's going to be a guy in that group that gets it done just about every year. Uh, hone in on that, pick their brain, be receptive, you know, but I, I would say if, if, if anything, they invited you to that group, man, just be subservient, right? Serve that group and, they will always want guys to come to camp that have that kind of heart, you know, that want to, they want to ride the river together with you, you know? And, um, you know, and the other side of it too, is if you hunt with them and you find out, and there's just something about it that does not go right with you. I mean, every group yeah. has its own personality. And if, if that doesn't fit you, well, that's okay too. You know, you take, take the experience for what it is and uh and move on move on mm -hmm. man uh try another group try another partner um maybe you're somebody that needs to hunt with another person not a whole bunch of people figure out what it was that worked for you out of that group what it was that did not work for you and then try to match yourself up with like people and you know 
if you if you're on social media um, Instagram and you get involved in some of those sometimes and you can locate people very like uh, similar minded as yourself so uh, you know that's that's our advice for somebody like that take it for what it's worth learn from it um, get experience and either you know like what you're doing if and hang with it uh unless they didn't like you <laughs> yeah. yeah you won't be invited back if that's the yeah. case i assure you yeah so the next one is kind of along the same lines gilbert it says i hunt with six guys that have been hunting the same area for 10 years and have never killed an elk there they are older than me, and I'm the youngster of the group. They always hunt the same way year after year and are not open to any other strategies or suggestions. I really appreciate the camaraderie and the time together, but they don't want to change, and I'm getting frustrated. Do you have any suggestions on how to handle this? Sounds like they're going up there drinking whiskey and not hunting elk. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, something like that, man, is you gotta you got to do what's right for yourself be respectful to the group. You know, if right. you're really serious about killing an elk and they're not getting it done, you're going to have to find something else to do, you know, and, and go find another group to hunt with or, you know, explain to them your frustration. I think guys are very open to where if you explain to them how they feel, they either can accommodate it or you, they can understand you're, you're wanting to move on. And, and, you know, at the same time too, um, you've come in with them and they're not willing to change things. Well, be the pinch hitter sometimes, man. Yep. Go in there and, and, and don't be offensive about it, but go sure. out there and, and try something different on your own. And uh, mm -hmm. if you're successful, you might be able just to teach an old dog some new tricks as well. So might change um, the hearts and minds of many. Yeah. Cause I, I don't know, you know, these, I don't know if these six guys are relatives. Sure. You know, sure. Um, yeah. Family. I, yeah. I don't know if they're family or, or if they're just buddies, but you know, just because they're doing things the same way. Now, if, if it becomes an antagonistic environment, if you go and do something on your own, uh, well, that's no fun. That's not what you're there no, for. And, and exactly. you, you need to change it. You need to move on. But um, mm -hmm. at, at the same time, just tell them you learned some really cool stuff on <laughs> elkbros.com and you're doing it at Hair Lips the Governor. And if they don't like it, you're going to leave. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. you know, well, tell them to call Joe and Chav and Gil and invite the Venezuelan mafia and they'll let you know the real deal. <laughs> hey and at the same time gilbert's got a good idea man give him a call and say man yeah this is a real cool podcast i've been listening to you guys why don't you yeah. check out this one right here see what you think let me know and i mean there's ways uh, i've always felt as i don't know if it's one of my flaws or one of the good things about me but i think there's something good in everybody and sometimes 100%. you know you take the good and you work on the bad i always you know coming from a small town and coaching with in a small school we always had to dance with the person we came with so you know you find ways to be able to improve those people around you and and don't expect them just to jump to your way right away because if you ain't got no proof in the pudding, why should they change? Now, if, if they haven't killed any elk in 10 years and they're doing the same thing, you know. It's the definition of insanity. Yes, sir. You know, they you, you can't be doing the same thing and expect a different result, you know. So um, 
but you're the one that could actually start that and change no that. Doubt. And, you know, be bold, brother. There you go. So those are our suggestions, man. Uh, make it happen. And the last one comes from Zach Fisher. And uh, Zach Fisher's a, a great friend of ours and uh, real supportive. And Zach's another one of those people Big we get a lot of things from and calls in. And, and uh, Zach said, uh, what's your preference in coolers? Is it significantly, I'm sorry, significantly worth spending big bucks on an Orion 85? Or does it make more sense to buy two big butt coolers at Costco that stores more? Uh. <laughs> that's, that's simple. I mean, for me, uh, you, you know, what we do, you can't substitute a great cooler, right? The money that you spend on it, I feels uh, insignificant, right? So uh, I think any of your molded coolers like that, Orion, Orca, Yeti, or Arctic, uh, you know, there's a Grizzly, there's several of them out there, but they, they hold ice a lot longer and they keep your, uh, they keep your animal and your venison on ice, uh, much better than the Costco type smaller igloo, you know, stuff like that. So, um, I, I think it's fantastic. I think, yeah, they're worth their weight in gold up there in the mountains. So I'm going to be the devil's ad- advocate on that, bro. And, uh, um, you know, I've always hunted in New Mexico until I went to a buddy's place down to hunt pigs in Texas and had mm-hmm. his gracious invitation. But uh, one of the reasons I've never hunted out of the state was paying a $600, $700 license was not in my ability. Uh, uh, I couldn't do that. And paying four or $500 for a cooler um, mm-hmm. wasn't going to happen. I mean, I had, when I came down to prioritizing, what I was going to put my money on my annual hunt on, it, it wasn't going to go all go into a cooler. And now I want you to know, I have a Yeti. Um, I did not buy it myself. It was a gift to me uh, from my, from my track athletes, actually incredible. Mm-hmm. But um, until then, you know, I mean, you're taking a look, I can, you know, I can buy one, one twenty uh, Yeti for 500 bucks, or I can buy uh six, igloos for that amount you know um so um my goal was i always had two or three igloos i'd get one a year uh, Mm -hmm. anywhere from 60 to 80 bucks um i would block my ice in other words i would take gallon jugs and freeze them in our freezer so that um, our ice lasted longer while we were out there um I found ways to mitigate and get around it because I did not have that kind of budget. Would I have liked to have had some of them coolers? Well, heck yeah, man. Do I like my Yeti? I, I, I love my Yeti. It's a heavy son of a gun. I mean, you better have some, you better have some people with you, man. When that thing has either ice in it or an elk in it, you better have some boys with you. When it has both, it's real heavy. Oh my gosh. So, um, but you can, Fill it full of animal and ice, and it'll last a week in the mountains. Yeah. And not only that, it's going to last you till you die. It's not, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. I'm gonna be it's a cooler inside. for life. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know I, I've life. had to do a lot of repairs on my igloos over the year. But you know what, y'all? Um, they packed out elk. Um, mm-hmm. I was able to ice down in there. I was able to, you know, I would mm-hmm. use one cooler where I would just fill it up with ice, and the other mm-hmm. one, um, I would, uh, 
and one I would put food in some ice, and then a third one I'd put gear in it and keep it empty. So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of how I traveled with mine. So, you know, I, I say you got to put your priorities into things, and um, if that's one of the areas. Now, I'm not telling you not to prepare for success because, buddy, I always plan on taking an elk out of the mountains. Uh, yeah. but, uh, they were always, and you can see a graveyard of igloos out here in my yard too. Yeah, me too. I, I have a graveyard of them as well. The thing that I wasn't prepared for was like a year, like this year where it was mm-hmm. so hot, mm-hmm. you know, and we needed to keep ice. Heck, we even had to come down off the mountain and go get ice because it melted, you know, so. And but that's it, didn't an melt, it didn't melt in our Yetis, right? Yeah, so. and, and, and that's an option too, Gilbert. And, and, I, and I'll tell you guys, listen to this, Zach. Um, for the price of what you're going to pay for that Orion, a lot, and not an 85, I mean, that's, you know, but you, you get uh, a, a bigger Yeti or something like that. You can go on right now, you can go on walmart.com and you can buy you a nine cubic freezer for about $169 and you can either plug that sucker in, uh, you can pack it with the, with ice. They, they do a good job with that. They do have drain plugs in them too. Um, or you can hook that up to a generator generator and you could freeze that booger out for about the same cost as what you pay for that Yeti. So, um, it just depends on what you want to do and you have that thing for year after year. So, yeah, and I think Joe, Joe makes a very good point. And if you can't, if it's not in your budget, then yeah, the, the you know, their Orion's probably not the way to go. You know, if it is, then they're pretty cool. You won't have to buy yeah. another Cougar for a long time, you know? Right. Um, and and I, I'm of the opinion that uh, they're pretty tough. I'm, I'm pretty hard on stuff. Right. So uh, about every year, year and a half, I got to put latches on my igloos and stuff like that. And, you know, look, can you break a Yeti latch? Mm-hmm done it so (laughs) you know my my buddies all tell me that i got you know i'm kind of crazy strong and i break latches on yetis and stuff like that and i'm like look man i can break anything you know i come from the oil field we can mess up an anvil uh so i I think those cool those those coolers are tough uh right now i know some of them are on sale so you guys go check them out uh, you can buy a 145 for about 388 from Arctic right now, so right. that's a heck of that's a heck of a deal. Most of those coolers are over 500. dollars And I think on our next podcast, we're going to talk about some of these deals that are coming up, especially after Christmas, where guys can pick stuff yep. up. We can do that. But the uh, I think the last thing I wanted to make a point to Gilbert is, um, you know, you're somebody that not only elk hunts, but you uh, you've got your deer lease and you fish all during you know the year. So your coolers get a whole lot abuse on there and abuse mm-hmm. and some of you guys if if you're just going to elk hunt and travel with those big coolers where you don't you know if you're deer hunting at home and you're taking it you know stuff Every to weekend the, yeah and you're if you're taking stuff into the barn and putting it in the freezer you ain't got to worry so much but and you're only using that those big coolers once a year yeah you know think about that you know think about what kind of investment you want to put into that all right that's right i hope we help out and hope that uh, gives you guys a couple of viewpoints on that you betcha, Joe. Been an amazing show. Glad to be back, brother. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's awesome. Every, you know, again, guys, please rate, subscribe, review us. Uh, that's how we get, you know, everything rolling here, you know, for uh Show us some love, today. y'all. Yeah, show us some love for sure. Keep Chav and 
my dad, Matt Montgomery, and your prayers, uh, all of that. So we'll keep you updated on their progress. Uh, we're believing that the good Lord's going to heal them boys and get them back to, to prominence. And uh, we look forward to that and look forward to next week's show and, for sure. And Chav, uh, as always, bud, when you're not with us, this one's for you. Absolutely. This one's for Chab and everyone's for Chab for sure. Joe, I appreciate everything. It was a great show tonight. You know, guys, I've always said this, you know, mamas hug your husbands, husbands kiss your wives, hug your babies, keep your bronze head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll catch you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. God bless y'all. God bless.